The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. In Ohio, there's a young man who has a job picking up roadkill. But when he sees the same corpse over and over and over again, it leads him into a troubling mystery. And then we take a look at the conspiracy that the modern world is not created by humans, but by the parasites that have attached themselves to our genitals. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having lots of fun. Just a quick reminder, this is the last week of season 17. After this, I'm going to take two weeks off and I'll be back with new episodes starting April 5th. But let's go ahead and get this episode started. We got a lot to talk about, so let's go ahead and introduce one of our Thanksgiving live stream contributors walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Give it up for Walking Stick. Woo! Yeah, yeah, you're doing your name, dude. You are doing your name. Walking on in here. Walking Stick, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Tell your friends, tell your families, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is the place to go for the most obscure stories. Joaquin, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're driving all the way out to Ohio. Hey guys, full disclosure, man. I just woke up from like a three, four hour nap. I've been, I've been super tired. You guys have been sitting in the Jason Jalopy this whole time. You're like, oh man, this guy at least has to get some CD player or something in here. Or, or he's not 45 years old and get an MP3 player in here. Sorry, guys, I've just been so tired, but I'm really excited to share these stories with you. Some really, really cool stuff. Let me put my glasses on, and let's get started. We're in the state of Ohio. Now, we don't have an actual city listed for this. What happened? I talked about this a couple episodes ago. The X-Board, who I just love the X-Board, right? Those are my people. I'm there. I enjoy it. There's a lot of good people on there. There's some stupid stuff on there as well, but overall, I think it's a really good community. On the X board, they had a Midwest thread a while back, and they were talking about like spooky stories, urban legends, weird, unsolved crimes in the entire Midwest area. And we covered it recently. Oh, and we went to Aberdeen, South Dakota. That was a really cool one. That was the one with the house. You're like, Jason, they all involve houses. They all, that doesn't narrow it down. I'll put it in the show notes. I don't want to give any of it away. But anyways, now we're in Ohio, which is also part of the Midwest, and there's this dude, we're going to call him Tony. He didn't give out his real name, so if that's it, that's just a guess. Tony had a job in the county, in a county in Ohio. I'm sure it's so sparsely populated, there's just one county. In the state of Ohio, there's a guy named Tony, and he had a job disposing roadkill. So he's driving his county truck down the road. You thought that was the engine? That was actually a Kid Rock song playing. And he's driving this truck down the road, and he sees like a dead possum. And he's like, oh, okay. Jumps out of his truck, and he gets his shovel, throws it in the back of the truck. 
I'm sure it was more sanitary than that. I don't think he was driving around a Ford F-150 that was just covered in the grime and gore of a thousand dead roadkill. Maybe he put it in a bag. Throws the possum in a bag, throws it in the back. The back immediately rips guts everywhere. Drives down the road a little bit farther. And he sees a deer. And he's like, oh, this is a this, this is what we call a two-shovel job. So he gets two shovels and he lifts the deer. Throws that one in the back because there's no bag big enough. Driving on the road. Then he sees an opossum. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know what the difference is between the two animals. Maybe it's the same thing. Scoops the opossum into the truck. And he did this job often enough that he began to see a pattern. Not that animal life was very fragile and not faster than vehicles. Every Wednesday, he would come across a dead coyote. You go, Jason, you know, it's wilderness. Ohio is just one barren state. It's one county, and it's all run by animal wildlife. Of course, he's going to run into a coyote. Uh, maybe it's weird that it's every Wednesday he sees a coyote, but is he seeing coyotes on different days as well? Every Wednesday, he would see a dead coyote. It was always a brand new coyote corpse, and it was always in the same location. Outside of this veterinarian office, there would be a dead coyote. It's bloated corpse sitting there in the Ohio sunshine. And he said it was weird because I'd always seem to see it around the same time. So it wasn't just like every Wednesday he'd see this, but every Wednesday around, let's say, he didn't give the exact time, but every Wednesday around 5 p.m. when he was finishing off his rounds, he would come across the dead coyote sitting outside this veterinarian office. And he'd get up and he'd scoop it up, throw it in the back of his truck, and drive off. And it would probably take a couple Wednesdays before you even notice that this was a pattern. But he starts noticing every Wednesday around the same time outside this veterinarian office, there's a dead coyote. And he's going here enough, he starts to realize another pattern. At this veterinarian's office, there's never any cars in the parking lot. He'd pull up in his truck, he'd see this freshly killed coyote corpse. This seemingly empty veterinarian office. Because not only is there no cars in the parking lot, he said, I never saw anyone inside. I mean, I don't think people would want to show up to work if there's a dead coyote out there. Like, uh, have him clean it up and then we'll go in. But he goes, this veterinarian office that never had any cars in the parking lot, never had anyone inside. The only business they seemed to have was me picking up a coyote corpse every Wednesday. And one day, a man after my own heart, right? A paranoid paranoid freak. He goes to his boss. And he goes, hey, uh, you, you know, I, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying the animal innard business. I'm hoping I can eventually work my way up the ladder to chef. I'd love to start cooking these things and open my own restaurant. But right now, I'm happy scooping up warm guts. But boss, this is really weird. Every Wednesday around the same time, there's a fresh coyote corpse outside of that veterinarian office. And what's even weirder is no one's ever had the veterinarian office. And he said his boss seriously, seriously advised him to stop talking about this. Don't ask any more questions. Just do what we pay you for. Scooping up warm animal intestines. I don't want to hear any more about this veterinarian office or this coyote or nothing. And I would like to impress on you one more time. 
drop it. <laughs> the coyote corpse that you're loading into the truck, this investigation or this line of questioning you have, it's done. Boss goes back to filling out some paperwork. Tony leaves the office. This statement by his boss to just stop looking into this, seriously, do not ask any more questions about this, hit home. He actually said, I never looked into it. I I absolutely did drop it. And we can only assume, we can only assume to this day, this man is still picking up corpses. No, I think what the assumption we can take from the story is he did continue to still do the job and did continue to still pick up a coyote corpse every week from there. But he no longer verbally or no longer out loud spoke of this weird mystery that was going on in his town. Short, short story, right? That's all we have. I love local stories like this. Absolutely love stuff like this, right? Because it's, again, it's so small. Literally so small town in this story, right? Has no giant implications, not geopolitical. It's not these huge machinations moving across the planet. It's a small town that has a mystery that someone probably did look into before. Someone probably did ask too many questions. And the boss remembers what happened when someone continued their line of questioning on this matter, right? Boss said, just drop it. As Tony leaves, the boss turns and he's eating coyote guts. He's like, nom, 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 and I'll throw the remains outside of the veterinarian office. It's just, it's a mystery. It's such a local mystery. And it's one of the great things about the Internet. I mean, other than like global trade and all of this stuff, it's the fact that we can have these local mysteries spread. I mean, this one's super obscure. The thread that it was on is already gone. I archived it. You can look through it and look at all the other cool things on there. But yeah, I love this story. And what would you do, right, if your boss was like, don't ask any more questions about this? Would you I would be curious about it still, but if my and it would depend on like my relationship with my boss and how adamant he was. Like if he's beating me up, he's beating me up, and he's dressing me up as a coyote, and he's like, You're next, then I definitely would drop that line of questioning. But but it's such a weird mystery. You'd still want to find out more, but if someone was like, nah, I just love it, right? Doesn't have any high stakes. There's another one I have like that that I've never I've always wanted to find a place to talk about it. So we'll talk about it now. There someone posted a long time ago on Reddit. They said, What are some Reddit questions or Reddit posts people have made? And then they never post it again after that. Like, are there any sort of times that a Redditor brought up a mystery or said something was going on and then the account just disappeared? And one of it's interesting because we covered someone like that before where they believed that aliens were going to invade last year. They made a prophecy like seven years ago. And then as we were getting closer to the date, I'll put the episode and there's two episodes on it in the show notes. That was the same time that the federal government said they were going to release their files on the UFOs, so it seemed to collide together, right? And that was great mystery, but then the Redditor showed back up. The Redditor showed back up and said that they were in love with some great alien, and they just totally, they blew their own mythology, right? They should have never returned. They kind of blew that. But I did find this one, again, just such a weird mystery. Or mental illness. This one, this one has a little less evidence than a coyote corpse each week. The person asking, the person posting this thread on Reddit, they went by the name MBTA Hole. One of their examples, they go, this is what I'm kind of looking for. They go, there used to be this Redditor who went by the name Bang Song Lee. 
And Bang Song Lee posted this thing on Reddit, and they were truly disturbed by this story, but eventually they stopped posting, and they apparently deleted their account. There's no... I couldn't find this thread anywhere. But Bang Song Lee, we'll call him Lee for short, Lee was going to his local university. And he was posting on Reddit because he believed that the school administration had placed some sort of tracking device on him. Classic paranoid delusion, right? He said the reason why he knew for a fact, I guess this does have evidence, is just as much evidence as the rotting coyote corpse. He goes, the reason why I knew they were tracking me was because I would often go to the student lounge on campus. You have your little food court and your little dining area and you can just sit there and people watch and eat your food and read the school newspaper and all that stuff. He said every time I'd go to the student lounge, I would order my favorite drink. And Arnold Palmer, what is that, like half lemonade, half iced tea? He'd go and he would order an Arnold Palmer. And every single time he did this, he'd go, one Arnold Palmer, please. The dean of the school would appear. Almost like he's being summoned, like he's Beetlejuice or something. He would order an Arnold Palmer, and apparently out of nowhere, he he didn't miss he didn't mystically appear, but he'd walk from around a corner, or he would be standing in line behind Lee, or there's a strategically placed bush that the dean was hiding behind. Whenever Lee asked for an Arnold Palmer, the dean of the school would pop out of nowhere and say, "What a twist!" and then walk away. And Lisa, this happened every single time I asked for an Arnold Palmer. Sometimes I imagine like the bartender turns around to get it. And when he turns back, it's the dean and the bartender's clothes. What a twist. Maybe sometimes Lee would try to throw him off and say, I'd like a Palmer Arnold, please. And the dean still appears. He's in the, he's in the vent, the heating vent. What a twist. He said every single time he asked... Every single time he ordered an Arnold Palmer from the student lounge, the dean would appear in some fashion and say, what a twist. And Lee posted this on Reddit and then never replied to any comments and then never posted again. And that username is no longer in the Reddit database. Just a weird local mystery. Again, this one, he might have been mentally insane. I don't know if the dean was actually omnipotent and had the ability to appear out of nowhere when you ask for an Arnold Palmer, but one of those weird mysteries that you would never know of outside of someone posting it on the internet. People who knew Lee, he probably talked to them about it all the time, right? Because he's trying to make sense of it. And maybe the story got weird enough that people in the college were kind of mentioning it. Oh, there's that guy who always says the dean follows him, and the dean, the dean's standing there, and he's like, I know, where do you get that impression? His eyes are shifting from side to side, trying to listen for what his order is. Just a weird mystery. It's a little less it's a little less grim than the coyote one. Like the coyote one, I don't even I like I think on the paranormal side we think maybe there was some vampire cult there or they were doing some sort of sacrifice. Maybe. But it could have also been that the veterinary office was like a, a mob front or a place they moved money through. It could have been something a little more mundane than paranormal. This guy, he could have uncovered a college plot where the dean had a compulsion. It was the dean's mental illness that was causing this. Or it could have been Lee's mental illness and he was hallucinating the whole thing. But just these local mysteries. I love this type of stuff. It doesn't always have to be doom and gloom, world-ending stuff. Sometimes these ones are the ones that stick with you. That Arnold Palmer, I've had that in my notes for months. I've been trying to figure out a way to talk about it. And I'm actually glad it really coincided with this one. Just those weird local mysteries. I love them.
Love them. Joaquin Stick, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind Ohio. We got a Arnold Palmer in each hand and a Coyote Jerky in our pockets. We're leaving behind Ohio. We're headed all the way out to Big City, USA. And Joaquin Stick, I want you to land on this skyscraper. Not one of the pointy ones, because then the Carpenter Copter will like wobble off. One of the skyscrapers with like the flat roofs. And so we're like, obviously, Jason, I'm not going to try to land on the Empire State Building. I will land on a building that has a flat roof. We're walking around, just making sure, walking. We're walking around, and, and I'm standing there on the edge of this building. And I go, look down at humanity below us. See all those people down? We're so high up. We're so up. We can't see anyone. I was like, okay, let's take the elevator down a couple floors. Now we're about seven stories up, and we go to a window. And I'm like, look down at the people below us. And you see humanity walking back and forth down the street shopping, driving cars, riding bicycles, everything like that, right? And I go, this is the ultimate testament to mankind, the big city. The fact that we're able to reshape the planet Earth into this network of steel and concrete, this is the perfect representation of man's power over nature. We're in these buildings, we're looking down at the people. But we have to remember, even though we've advanced so far by the way we reshape things, we are still animals. We still have monkey bodies with reptile brains. We're still held to our base passions, like love and hate, envy and lust. Even though we're in this advanced modern age of humanity, we're still just beasts. And that begs the question as to who are we, right? Who are we? I did an episode recently when I was mentioning a lot of our desires, like our food desires, what we think makes us us, is from the gut, from the gut biome. Whether or not you're really into sugary snacks or you like more of a savory meat, that has a lot to do with your gut biome. I would say almost completely to do with your gut biome. That if you're somehow, let's say that you really love sweets. If you're somehow able to transfer your soul into someone else's body. Like we covered on yesterday's episode. You wouldn't like sweets anymore. You'd actually be working on a totally different stomach biome. If you lived for the taste of chocolate covering your tongue. But we put you in a body that had a completely different gut biome. You would be like, I'm not a big sweets person. So that's not really part of our personality. And eating is a huge part of what we do. And what we choose to eat, we may not even have that much control over. What we choose to want to eat. I find it very interesting. Humans are the only animal that will starve itself rather than eat the same thing every single day. If you gave a man his favorite food, pot roast with a side of potatoes, and you gave it to him three times a day every single day within a month, he would be like, I, I would, I'm not eating. I refuse to eat this stuff again. Every other animal, you can give a squirrel a nut every single day or give a mouse a cookie and they, every single day, and they will eat that same thing every single day. They'll never have a squirrel. He'll never have a squirrel that's like, ah, you know what, acorns are all cool and stuff like that, but I've had my fill. I need something else. No, they'll eat acorns until they die from acorn poisoning. Humans are the only people who, for whatever reason, it's a super weird quirk of our biology. They will refuse to eat. They will say no. They need food variety. I found that out because I was writing a book about how to survive nuclear winter or something like that. 
long time ago. Y2K. I was writing a book about Y2K a long time ago. And that was one of the tips. When you're building your shelter, you have to have a diverse amount of food. Because if you just get pork and beans, you will starve to death. Why? You know, Who's making that decision? Obviously, you want to survive. People eat disgusting things all the time to survive. But you won't eat this. You won't eat horse testicles every single day for the rest of your life. But you may eat them if you get trapped out on a horse farm for three weeks. So who are we? Who actually makes the determination of who we are? I think a big part of it is biology. The way the electrons travel across your brain, your physical brain, the way your gut biome interacts with your brain. So that's some people have addictive personalities and some people don't. Some people can do heroin and be like, ah, it ain't for me. And other people can do heroin and it's for them and it completely ruins their life. Weird. It's a weird quirk because we know that heroin is addictive and some people don't get addicted to it. Why? And I think we always default back to the, the soul, right? Or the personality of the person. It just doesn't have an addictive personality. But is there something biological going on there? To, 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 what I'm headed towards is that I recently found out about a thing called parasitic castration. Parasitic castration is exactly what it sounds like. It's a parasite that castrates its host. And what's weird is there's not a lot of normie street-level information on parasitic castration. Probably because a lot of people don't read about this for fun. When I looked into this, I was reading the Wikipedia page, and I went to go do additional research. It was all scientific journal stuff, the stuff that you have to pay for. And even if it was free, I wouldn't understand it. But parasitic castration is one of the six major forms of parasites. It's one of the biggies. But it's not something a lot of people know about. Generally, parasitic castration we see on smaller creatures, like snails, like crustaceans, just little, little things, tiny little things. And what they do is they latch on to the sexual organs of the creature. They will get right up in there and they will feed off of the ovaries or the gonads of their host. It's like a Slurpee in there. It's like a constant Slurpee machine going on. And these creatures are just getting raw resources right from the source, right from the balls, right? And your sex organs are constantly producing more juice, more energy. And your sex organs are constantly functioning. They're constantly producing more yummy, yummy goodness. So a parasite that does this has a huge amount of resources to eat. Seemingly unlimited, right? And what's interesting is not only does this parasite attach onto the sexual organs, it radically changes the organism's behaviors. Because if this... Let's take, take a frog, for example. If this frog had working sex organs, it is going to do all the things that someone with working sex organs does. It's going to mate. It's going to try to have children. It's going to try to fight other members of its species to impress the lovely little lady frog on the lily pad. Competition, care for offspring, mate-seeking behavior is all shut down when these parasites are on board. I mean, it is kind of hard to go to the prom when you have a giant monster attached to your nuts, but 
you don't even want to go to the prom, right? You're just fine staying at home. You're just fine staying at home with your pants off as this thing with these huge needles stuck in there. And all of this behavior is gone, right? So a lot of the energy that's put into looking more beautiful to attract mates or getting stronger to fight off potential rivals, all of that biological energy is now being... All of that biological energy is being suppressed. It's actually giving the parasite more nutrients to feed off of. Because your body's saying, well, if I'm not going to try to grow a bigger shell and bigger snappers to fight these other crabs, I guess I'm just going to sit here. And all the food that I eat is going to go towards the thing that my body's definitely needing, more sexual resources, because it's constantly getting drained. One of the things is because it's still taking in its daily calorie count. This little crab is still eating the same amount of food it normally would if it did have working sexual organs. Since it's not using it to become a better mate, a lot of these creatures will have gigantism because the body doesn't know what to do with all of these extra nutrients. So they just start to get really big. They also live longer because they're not fighting in the wild. They're not going out there. They're not, they're not putting themselves out there for either predators or for rivals. They sit there and they just consume and grow big and sit there. And consume and grow big and sit there. And the whole time this parasite is attached to the sexual organs, feeding constantly. There's another benefit to having these things. They actually protect you from getting other parasites. So you can see there's a benefit in a way. <laughs> Definitely the negative is having this monster attached to your body, especially in that region. But you live longer. You're not going to get other parasites. It protects you from that. And you just kind of chill. You just sit there and enjoy life. As much life as a crab can enjoy. <laughs> as much life as a crab can enjoy while this giant thing is attached to its body. I read that and I go, this is really interesting. And of course, because I'm a conspiracy theorist, I started thinking of it like this. Is there something like this in the human body? Now, you could say, Jason, obviously not. There's, there, you can look down and there's nothing attached to your sexual organs. But sometimes it's on the inside. I probably should have said that earlier. It's not always this thing locked on down there. Sometimes it's inside eating the eggs or eating the sperm, eating the stuff right out of the gonads. I started thinking, is there a human comparison to this? Because we think, here's the thing, I've, I've made the decision not to have kids, not out of any sort of ecological thing or social thing. Kid, the idea of having a child absolutely terrifies me. I can take care of myself just fine, but the idea of having to worry about having this little three-month-old and that it could choke at any time, and then the kid's three, and they can still choke at any time, and now they're 33, and I'm like, oh, I hope he's chewing his food okay. I would be paranoid all the time, and I hear that from parents. They go, yeah, yeah, it is pretty scary. Like, there's a lot of good stuff. I always tune out once they agree with me that it's scary. But I go, I don't want to have kids. What if, what if that's not my choice? What if there's millions of people across the planet who are choosing not to have children? And we think it's our choice, and it's not. A parasite attached itself to us at some point. And it's spreading. Now, I don't have a kid, so that means the other night, I was able to go see the Batman. I didn't have to make plans with nothing, right? I didn't have to get a babysitter. I do what I want. And then yesterday, 
I was walking. I went to Walmart, bought myself a Batman Hot Wheel. Just in the middle of the day. I bought that and a six-pack of Diet Pepsi. Middle of the day. I do what I want. I do what I want. I don't have kids. If I had kids, I wouldn't be able to engage in all of the stuff that I want to do at the job. I definitely wouldn't be able to do a podcast every day, right? And I see all these things as plus. I see all these things as positives. But what if I never had an option? What if all these people who tell you, you know, I'm not into having kids, that's not their decision? There are chemicals being released into their bloodstream that's traveling to their brains, telling them, you don't want kids. You don't want kids. You don't want offspring. Because it's going to take resources from your body that you're now going to have to use to raise your child. You're not going to be able to eat as much. You're not going to be able to have the diet you want. So don't have kids. Do This is really, really interesting. This might sound ridiculous, but it's definitely within the realm of possibility. That a key decision, choosing not to have offspring, is biologically odd. It's something that humans do. And I don't think any other species go. I don't think there's ever a cat being like, you know what, there's enough there's enough kittens in the world, I'm good. We have to neuter them or spay them. We have to physically remove that as an option. And changes their personality, doesn't it? Changes the way they eat, changes the way they function. And then we go, but I'm making my own decisions. No one spayed me. I'm choosing it. I'm choosing to break an evolutionary cycle that has existed since the beginning of life. And I'm not talking about people who want kids and can't have them for a biological reason, or they want kids, but they're afraid a genetic disease may follow them. I don't want kids. Kids are totally fine. I don't have a problem with kids. I don't have a problem with kids at all, but I don't want them. I don't see them as... I don't. See... I, think they... I think it's too risky... Uh, my kids might be total dorks, right? That would be upsetting as well. I just, I don't, I, and I've never been like that. I've never been thinking, uh, and, and at no point in my life did I stop wanting kids. I just was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need that. What if that's not my decision? And I know a lot of people are saying that. Uh, they don't want kids. Again, some people, I know people are like, I have horrible genetic disease running my family line. I don't want to take the risk. But they would want to have kids. That's different, and it's tragic, and that's different. A lot of times they adopt, and that's awesome. But I'm wondering if there is a parasite in humans that is making us not want kids and indulge in our own desires. I'm wondering if that's out there. And it would be something that if you said it, people would think you were a fool. And if you said it to a scientist, they'd probably go, yeah, that's not here. And the reason why we know this, because we can test for all this stuff. We can test for parasites. But if the parasite is just part of human life at this point, and it does basically take 20% of society and say, you don't want kids. We're infected with this parasite. and It makes us not want children, not can't have children, not want to have children, which is biologically super weird. Because that is one of the main drives. Now, what's interesting is I still engage in mate-attracting behavior, right? I'm still dating. I'm still sleeping with women. 
So it hasn't completely shut off that part of it, fighting rivals and things like that. But the idea, once you have offspring, your resources has diminished that you can spend on yourself. Now you have to do that. I wonder if that's out there. I, this is kind of an open-ended question. I know it's kind of a weird way to end an episode, but I wonder if this is out there. I wonder if there is a parasite infecting the human body. Not all of them, right? Some bodies fight it off, right? Some bodies are less susceptible. Could have a whole host of factors of why one person carries this parasite and one person doesn't. But is there something out there that is making humans not want children? It's, I, I always figured it was my decision, but how many of the decisions I make daily are my decisions? I'm sure a lot of them are. But when I'm walking down the road and I really want that whatchamacallit bar. I haven't had a whatchamacallit bar in a long time. I really, really want a whatchamacallit bar. Those cravings will pop up after I've eaten bread like a day or two before. And those are... I don't want a whatchamacallit bar. I love whatchamacallit bars. Don't get me wrong. If you want to sponsor this episode, I'm down. But the cravings come. Like the cravings when I'm walking down the street and I'm going to decide which route to take home. Which one will take me closest to a gas station so I can buy a whatchamacallit bar. That's not Jason. That's my gut biome dying off because I gave it bread a while back. And it was eating all those carbs, and now it wants more, and it knows how much that I love whatchamacallit bars, but do I? So weird. I, I, I find the idea that we are half... We talked about this on yesterday's episode, that we are half eternal soul and half biological waste factory meat shield that carries us from one location to another engaging in our most base desires daily, eating food that's not nutritious but just tastes good, sitting and watching stupid sitcoms just for background noise as our eyes glaze over or just refreshing the same internet page over and over again like a rat pressing a button getting a hit of cocaine. You know, all this stuff, all this stuff that you can actually, we think... That we are this all-knowing, or at least all-learning. We may not know everything, but we're constantly learning this, this divine spark inside of us. But somebody can sit down and they can invent an app that two out of ten people who play it won't put it down for a month. If we were simply the divine spark inside a walking skeleton surrounded by wet, bloody muscle, you would never be able to do that. Because the divine sparks are limitless and they're from the everlasting. They existed before stars exploded, right? The reason why they're able to create things that are addictive because they're appealing to the biological. How brains work, how eyes work, how dopamine works. How much of us is the meat and how much of us is the soul? And then what about all the other life forms on this planet? Not talking squirrels or coyotes. The parasites. The microbes in our guts. They also have this huge pull on us. I, I, this, is, this is something that I've been recently thinking about a lot. After I found this article, and I'm not willing to say that it's 100% true, but I'm, I'm wondering if there is something that people are carrying that is making them not want to reproduce. They just have shut down that part of their body. People always go, I'm sure you'll want kids one day. No. 
And is that my decision? Is that a decision Jason's making because I like the life I live? Or is there something in my body making me think I'm making that decision? Making me think I have enough agency that I can choose to override billions of years of evolution by sitting here and going, I don't want kids. Even though every life form on the planet, that's what they're designed for. To be born, to eat, to procreate, and die. And there's two types of life forms that do not follow that pattern. Humans and creatures who have parasitic castrators attached to their body. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.